All right, switching gears a bit here to talk about something that uh, I don't understand. I'm going to be completely honest with you, and that is the way that our federal government handles the situation with China. It seems to me that uh, we've completely rolled over on this and uh, are pretty much toothless in anything that we do. And there was another example that came to light this weekend uh, that's pretty troubling. Um, we don't stand up in any meaningful way. You know about the two Michaels, Michael Spavor and Michael Kovrig. They've been uh, languishing in a Chinese prison for more than two years now on what are universally believed to be trumped-up charges and pure political retaliation for Canada arresting uh, Huawei executive Meng Wanzhou on an extradition warrant pending charges in the United States. Now, during that time, Canada has really done nothing to push back, next to nothing. And the hits just keep on coming. We made a disastrous bet, of course, uh, uh, on China helping us out with COVID vaccines. That blew up in our face. Didn't work at all. Now another wrinkle that came out this weekend is Politico broke a story that a major global defense conference uh, could be derailed um, because Ottawa is threatening to actually pull funding from this event if Taiwan's leader is recognized with an award. Why? Well, because that would upset the Chinese. Joining us now to talk more about this is Ian Brody. Um, Ian is an associate professor of political science at the University of Calgary. He also uh, worked as chief of staff for Canadian Prime Minister Stephen Harper back in 2006. Ian, thanks so much for taking some time to join us uh, this morning. I appreciate it. Glad to be here, Shay. You know, uh, first of all, let's just sort of uh, let everybody know what we're talking about here. It's the Halifax International Security Forum, which is a global event. It's it's largely run by NATO, but it's a pretty big deal, right? Yes, I've uh, been involved uh, since the beginning uh, 11 years ago. Uh, the Canadian government uh, put up the original financing for this, and uh, every November... Uh, defense ministers and security people from democratic countries around the world uh, come for for three days. And then the people who are democratic activists in in other uh, uh, countries uh, come as well. Uh, It's the flagship event of its nature uh, in Canada uh, each year. And I think the key part is the Americans take this conference extremely seriously. So every second year or so, the U.S. Defense Secretary comes last year, the Secretary of State came, and then usually gets about a half a dozen senators from the Foreign Relations Committee and the uh, Senate Armed Services Committee uh, come for the weekend. It's the only time of the year that that many senior U.S. policymakers come to Canada. Of course, the Canadian government traditionally uses it to to talk to them about uh, about Canada, U.S. issues as well as the global issues. Yeah, and like you say, it, it is a you know it's a global forum. And it's a lot a lot of big people involved, and uh, it, it is a good opportunity for the Canadian government to talk. But um, organizers had plans this year to give what they call the John McCain Prize for Leadership to Tsai Ing-wen, who is president of Taiwan. And the reason they want to give it to her is because of her her resistance um, to immense pressure from China. Um, okay, first of all, let's start about. Uh, just a little background on the China-Taiwan situation. Basically, uh, it's pretty fractured in the way that the foreign governments look at Taiwan. They have unofficial relations and stuff. China doesn't want any relations. It's a bit of an international mess. Yes, both uh, the the mainland Chinese communist government claims that Taiwan is is part of their country. Mm -hmm. And in fairness, the government of Taiwan 
claims that the mainland, which is under communist control, uh, is is part of their country. So it's a it's an irreconcilable, you know, international yeah. law dispute. When we recognized the communist government uh, in the early 1970s, we previously recognized Taiwan as the legitimate or the nationalist government as the legitimate uh, government of uh, of China. We've nonetheless since then maintained uh, diplomatic relations with with both sides, uh, recognizing that the one has the claim over the other and, and vice versa. It makes the legal situation a little complicated. Um, but but we have uh, di- diplomatic postings on, on, on both sides of the strait. Right, yeah, and that's where things sort of go off the rails. Um, obviously, China not pleased with news that the president of Taiwan would be recognized with this international honor. Uh, and we find out that it looks like the Canadian government is willing to appease them yet again and pull funding for this forum. Yeah, sure. I think, I mean, I don't want to spend too much time in the historical context here, but let's remember, you know, 50 years ago when we set up this arrangement with China and Taiwan, uh, neither country was remotely democratic. Uh, but over the last 50 years, Taiwan has become uh, a stable, multi-party democracy. They have parliamentary elections. The president of Taiwan was elected in a free and fair election. They have, uh, you know, a rule of law system. They have pretty good guarantee of human rights, you know. Taiwan has become, uh, in effect, um, a more and more, uh, more and more integrated into the, the democratic mm-hmm. bloc of countries of the world, and, and the mainland has gone in the exact opposite direction. So, two years ago, the organizers of the Halifax Forum uh, gave their their big award uh, to the democrat democracy movement in Hong Kong, uh, standing up for uh, people who are fighting for a democratic representation in Hong Kong against the communist regime. I don't think it was that much of a surprise that eventually, uh, now that that battle seems to be uh, moving in China's direction, uh, there's no question the Americans are extremely worried about uh, the mainland's threat to the democratic government in Taiwan. I don't think there's any surprise that the, the Halifax Forum would move to recognize people in Taiwan either. Right, yeah. So uh, the Canadian government, I mean, the motivation obviously is just, let's not anger China. I mean, what else could it possibly be? Well, look, uh, you talked at the off the top about uh, the the seizure of the the two Michaels yeah. and their and their arrest now trial uh, uh, without uh, without proper uh, without proper criminal charges. Uh, there's no sense that they will have anything remotely approaching a fair trial. But I think you know, and uh, looking at this from the Chinese perspective, this tactic has been a stunning success. The seizure of the two China, two Michaels has stopped the Canadian government from doing anything in regards of China. They're petrified of taking any step that might make the situation for the two Michaels might, might make the situation two Michaels worse. And you can sort of understand that. On the other hand, we're now two years, three years into this, coming to three years into this uh, crisis. Um, what is the plan here? Are we right, going to yeah. freeze our relations with every other country in the region? Uh, because because the Chinese have successfully seized, you know, effectively kidnapped uh, two Canadian citizens that are holding them hostage. Can we continue to play? You know, can we do this for the next ten years? Uh, are we going to are we going to sort of put our relationship in the area on on in deep freeze until the situation with the two Michaels is resolved? It's been a very effective move on the Chinese part. Uh, but it's not clear that anything the Canadian government is doing is working here. Now, uh, the motivation, is it strictly economic, just the fact that we are so beholden to China for, you know, imports and exports and all that sorts of things? Is that what this comes down to, simply put? Well, there's many players here, right? So, of course, we have uh, very deep 
uh, economic ties between uh, Canada and China. China is a huge economy. Uh, we uh, sell them a certain amount of uh, natural resources and other goods, and then we buy massive number of manufactured yeah. goods from China. So you can't just disrupt that relationship in the middle of an economic crisis, you know, uh, willy-nilly. I get there's a challenge here. But there are other countries involved, too, right? We have relations with uh, Japan. The Japanese are worried about what's going on in the region. We have relations with Korea. The Koreans are very worried about this. And Taiwan, depending on how you count the numbers, is our fourth, fifth, certainly one of our top ten trading partners in the world. And so we're kind of caught in a very difficult situation. Add the Americans to this. I think the government thought that with the end of the Trump administration, there'd be sort of a stabilization of the U.S.-China relationship. But in fact, everybody that Biden has nominated to deal with the Pacific region uh, has said since uh, the transition uh, to the new administration in January, they've been talking about the threat. I mean, in public, as astounding development. It was speaking in public about the threat of a Chinese invasion of Taiwan sometime in the next six years. These are, you know, might hear these public conversations in private, but for people to say this on the record is quite astounding. And so, obviously, the transition to the Biden administration, I don't think, has resolved this problem in quite the way the Trudeau government had hoped. No, certainly not. So, um, where do we go from here in terms of this form? I mean, they're they're in a spot now. Uh, what happens with them? Yes, I mean, I think the question will be, uh, you know, the forum brings people from uh, India, Japan, all across the democratic countries in Asia and uh, Europe and the United States. There will be a, you know, a rush to get other sources of, of financing uh, to keep the forum going because lots of people find it useful. You know, the Asians like to come and meet with the Europeans at this thing, and uh, the Americans like that it's so close to so close to the United States. So it's convenient for other people to have this conference continue. I suspect there will be financing from other sources. The problem for us is in Canada, you know, uh, over the last four years, five years, we had this renegotiation of NAFTA, and the government made a big deal about outreach to um, uh, members of Congress, to senators in the yep. U.S. Senate, to all of our friends across the United States. The one time all of those people come to Canada is for the Halifax Security Forum. The Canadian government is not going to show up. Uh, right. They create the problem for them. So like, I don't think there's any this uh, strategy they've had over the last two years to sort of sit, pat, sit, you know, stand pat and hope the situation with the two Michaels resolves itself. Um, this was never really a viable strategy in the first place. And I think time is now is now very much running out because, uh, you know, forum scheduled to take place in the third week of November, yeah. uh, this situation has to be resolved before then, or else, what, all these people are going to come to come to Halifax, and the Canadian government's not going to be there. That 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 would be embarrassing. We can't have that. Well, I mean, in that sense, it's kind of good that maybe this is something that finally, um, you know, gets this can pushed a little farther down the road, because it seems to be stuck right now. I think what, uh, look, this is going to be the first of a series of issues which are now urgently pressing that the Canadian government has to resolve. But, I mean, the situation with the Michaels and President Biden has said he's going to do what he can to try to resolve the situation. Yeah, yeah. That's helpful. But also, for Canada, this is a big issue. Uh, the Winter Olympics are coming in in uh, in China, right? We're mm-hmm. less than a year away from the from the Winter Olympics being held in uh, in Beijing. Uh, in the Summer Olympics, we have a role to play in the Summer Olympics. But for the Winter Olympics. Canada is really one of the leading countries. And if the democratic countries, if the Biden administration persuades the democracies to take advantage of the 
of the Winter Olympics being in Beijing to make a point about relations with Beijing. Canada can't duck that. We're one of the superpowers of the Winter Olympics. The Americans will expect us yeah. to be part of their solution there. So, you know, we've been kicking the can down the road for two years on this. I don't think they're going to be able to kick the can too much farther down the road. Okay. Yeah, an interesting development in this interesting file already. Thanks so much for your time, Ian. I really appreciate no, no, it. Sure. Good to talk to you. Yeah, you too. That's uh, Ian Brody, a political science professor at the University of Calgary, talking about this uh, strange, strange situation with China.